0: Are listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TNA podcast, brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. In this episode, myself, Britvic, the host, I'm joined by my co-host Chris, as as usual, and today's special guest on this show is Michael, who's known by the name Cholo Pollo on Twitter. He has an Iniesta Avi as well on Twitter, and he's one of those famous guys on Twitter we all interact and we love to interact with so welcome to the show michael thanks guys i'm excited to talk with you all that's
1: great <laughs> that's same great here. same here
0: yeah and michael before like we go on to you know specific topics we'll be discussing la liga mainly i just want to start off with a couple of questions regarding your twitter bio and stuff you have the twitter username cholo Polcho, and you have a Navi of iniesta andres iniesta so one of my friend who who actually writes for our website asked uh, or uh, I mean he actually told me to ask you if you actually look like Iniesta in that picture because you bought that for <laughs> a pretty long time. <laughs> oh I, I
2: wish. I wish I looked as good as Iniesta. No, no. <laughs> Not at all. He's one of my favorite players, man. So I've had that for I think as long as I had the account.
0: Yeah, yeah that that yeah, he was actually mentioning that to me as
2: well. So Are you as like to as him? Uh, yeah uh <laughs> maybe i'm a, i'm as good at trying to learn japanese that's about it
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and what about your username, of name, Phil, because that yeah
2: of- yeah so when simeone came on to athletic i used to write for a couple of footy sites and uh i was following atletico madrid and took an athletic handle and yeah it, it throws people off people still think i'm a barcelona fan which is fine you know you could be called worse things but uh yeah, it's kind of, you know, the more I look at it, the, the avi kind of looks like N E S is pissed off. So I probably come off as like angry or
0: frustrated all the time. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, if you, if you see, I mean, if people follow you, probably they'll, they'll probably see a change in opinion as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, maybe so. Very great. And we have a few things to talk about today. But since La Liga is decided, wrapped up, Uh, Real Madrid winning the league title once again and Zinrin Mm -hmm. Zidane had to come in again once again and work his magic on this team. But if you see the Real Madrid team that was under Zidane earlier, it was kind of an attacking team. Team which Mm -hmm. used to ruthlessly score goals with Cristiano Ronaldo in the team. But this season, it's been a complete opposite. I I, I wouldn't say a complete opposite, but somewhat, yes, they've kind of built a stable defense. A stable defensive unit. Sergio Ramos, probably the best defender this season, in my opinion. And that's mm-hmm. coming from a Liverpool fan who who kind of idolises Virgil van Dyke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And Thibaut Courtois, despite all the criticism he got last season, he's been top class this year. And it's wonderful. It's, it's definitely wonderful how Zidane has kind of, you know, completely changed how Real Madrid play and kind of won the league. I mean, Barcelona where I would say, not, not not very good this season, but Real Madrid also probably weren't that good, but he's mm-hmm. kind of put them over the line. So what's your old you know take on Real Madrid and the way Zidane's managed Madrid this season? It's it's
2: pretty wild, isn't
0: it? I mean, what, what was the last... I don't know if you guys can remember off the top of your head. Last time uh, that
2: Madrid had Cristiano in the team, their total goal scored, I think, was like 110 or something. It was... It was, you know, the classic Real Madrid attacking side, and then this year they they barely got 80 goals, right? So, yeah. talk you talk about a shift, man. I, I think it was like 70 goals actually this year. So not even 80 goals. Yeah, it was. Goals. It was my 70. It's it was a complete 70, yeah. flip. 70. Wow. But then at the same time, you look at the, you know, goals that, goals against. They had almost half of what they allowed last season. You look at the defense. It's pretty much the same, man. Apart from left back. That's that's the same squad overall. So when you see something like that. That's no accident. (laughs) You know, you don't see the same pool of talent just play such a different game coincidentally. So I I put it all on on Zidane at the end of the day. I think the the players that have been most influential with that kind of a shift, really, the one guy for me is Casemiro. I'd love to uh, take some time this summer and study a bit of his, his heat maps and just get a sense of where his positioning was for the whole of the season. Him and Ramos both, I bet they're doing a lot more work, especially you know, if you look at Sergio Ramos, I would bet money that his positioning is a lot more reserved than it used to be. Even even though he's breaking the record for most goals, you know, you've ever seen from a defender in a season. I, I feel like he's not getting forward as much. You have Casemiro dropping deeper, sliding over to the left. You have a left back that's just, no disrespect to Marcelo, one of the best ever, but league's better in terms of defensive quality. So that that's, that's a lot of tactics. It's, I mean, again, the, the talent pool isn't much different compared to last season, so... Props to
1: leadership and management at the top. Well, Michael, I, I noticed one of the things last summer that Zidane was quite quite open about when he said La Liga is the main competition this year. Mm. He said Real have not won the not won that competition enough times over certain periods of t- over a certain period of time, and that that is going to be the main focus. He never so he never said in so many ways. Let's forget the Champions League because obviously we know they're still in it. But yeah, do you think that was the plan from the start? in terms of he's looked at La Liga and thought well all we have to do is be a bit more solid here because Barcelona are not in transition but they're not they're not the Barcelona at all. they're making some changes themselves you could say mm-hmm. that Atletico Madrid they're actually going through to maybe coming coming through to the, the in-between cycles so to speak do you think that was just a start Zidane just looked at it and thought if I can just make this team a lot more solid without Cristiano and we can actually ju- we can take advantage of this league yeah, I do. You know, it's
2: funny because I feel like he gets a lot of flack for not being a masterful tactician, which which I think in some ways is is fair, but then at the same time, you know, again, this kind of a switch Doesn't happen accidentally. So I think, yeah, last season it was awful from Madrid. I mean, their worst campaign in like twenty years. So I think he saw specifically what was happening defensively and said, "Hey, we don't, we don't have a guy who's going to go bag thirty goals a season. We don't really have a dynamic attack in general." You you know, last year you saw Vinicius was probably their most threatening player, and again, exciting footballer, but you know, not a world class finisher. I don't think he's ever going to become something like that. So the yeah. I, th- I think Zidane just said, hey, we've got to shore up the defense. We've got to change how we attack. We've got to change how we press. Uh, you know, defensive transitions. Everything looked different. So yeah, it didn't look accidental at all. And I think yeah. Barcelona, like you said, Barcelona just that's that's not a that's not a an elite team for me right now.
1: And do you think do you think the injury to Eden Hazard played into his hands a little bit?
2: Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I I feel like if if you know you're going to change defensively, at least down the left side, you're going to have somebody like Mendy come in. You know. Your attack's going to be different, and Hazard doesn't seem like a guy that is a Don saying, Okay, I'm going to need you to do a lot of work on the defensive side yeah. of the game. So, what happens when he goes down? Do you do you shore that up even more? You know, you saw Valverde getting a lot more time in midfield. Is that covering for that absence on the left side? I, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, I just yeah. think the injury. When I, when I, when I, sorry, Riffick. Sorry. I just think it was quite. Once the injury, I thought Real Madrid improved. At the they moment, look more balanced. I. I yeah, they look a lot more balanced. That's the right word, Yeah, they look a, a, a lot more balanced without Eden Hazard in the team in my opinion. But that's not to knock. I mean, he's had a quite serious injury, so he may Yeah, he may come back in he obviously reached the level that he was at at Chelsea. But I thought I thought yeah, I thought they look they, they look a lot more balanced.
2: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I wonder, you know, if you were to talk to sedan at the beginning of the year, what's his expectation for Hazard? Surely he's not expecting yeah. a, you know, 25 goal season, but how much does his injury really throw off his whole planning? I, I'd I'd be curious
0: to hear what he'd say about that. Yeah. yep. And you you, you actually throw in Valverde there, Federico Valverde. And I think mm-hmm. he's had a he's had a really, really good campaign this season, especially the first mm-hmm. part of the season where he was like oh, yeah. probably their best player, I would say. Yeah, yeah. At least one of the most impactful at minimum. Exactly. And and, and he he looks like a player who's like very intelligent and he's not shy away from, you know. Uh, going down on a challenge and getting himself sent off if, if that means that yeah. he's saving a goal for the team. I mean, we definitely saw exactly. that in, in in the derby, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> he does what he has to do, man. I, you know, I don't like thinking about that, but brilliant. That that's exactly right. That's that kind of stuff you love seeing from a young player because it goes beyond just the skill set. It shows some some intelligence on the pitch. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And 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 I don't think like uh, probably probably I think that Real Madrid bought asard a bit too late i guess he should have probably moved mm. to madrid maybe a couple of years before because that's when he was really at his peak and i think this season's injury has kind of kind of been a very very uh, you know kind of probably attributed to a decline a st- probably the start of a decline and mm. in in my opinion i do think that he's going to find hard probably in the next 2 or 3 years to kind of settle into that madrid team and so i, I like and you also mentioned vinicius there who's like I think his finishing is not really up to the mark, but in terms of overall play, he's really good. He's really really oh, good. Yeah. So, so I I do think that with uh, Real Madrid signing young Brazilian talent, I mean they've kind of shifted their whole scouting to South South America where they're kind of snatching up young Brazilians. So, I, I think there's there's some kind of you know uh, some something behind that probably they're trying trying or kind of trying to switch their Transfer policy a bit. Yeah, I I, I do think Azad might not feature as much for Madrid probably in the coming seasons. But, yeah, that, that's just my opinion because uh, especially after the after after what I've seen this season.
2: Yeah, it's tough. You know, you see he's 29, he turns 30 in, what, February or January. So, it, you know, 30 is not what it was 15 years ago with the way the game has changed today. He still has a lot of years left. But when you see a guy, you know, again, maybe it's an unfair criticism. I hear that. But when you see a guy who gets his dream move to the biggest club in the world, comes in pretty unfit, out of shape a little bit, you know th- that that makes you question work ethic. And then to your point, it makes you wonder, like, okay, is this the kind of footballer who's going to be in good enough shape to where he doesn't start declining when he enters his thirties, like like a lot of guys do? So yeah, not not the most encouraging start, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and just one word before we uh, before we move on, just one word on Karim Benzema. What oh, what a season? What a season he's had? Very underrated, I thought, especially whilst Cristiano Ronaldo was at the club underrated for the work that he'd done especially off the ball but this season I mean 21 goals and 8 assists I think it was yeah I know he's yeah. definitely 21 oh, yeah. goals and all that, but I mean, I wouldn't say he's carried, he's carried the Real Madrid team, but he's certainly been exactly what they've needed this year.
2: Oh man, in every way, in every way. Yeah, yeah. You, you look at, I think his total goals and assists this season in Champions League and Liga, I think is his best tally ever, actually. Yeah. So that's, that's huge. And look, he had his dips, what was it, the late November to, I think, early March or, sorry, or, or middle of February, he didn't have a goal, something like that, so yeah. he had those moments, but. Yeah. Where would they be without him, man? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, uh, I mean, since Ronaldo left, I think Benzema has kind of taken up that role where you know he's starting to step up, you know, mm-hmm. take that ownership of being the leader in the team, apart from Sergio Ramos, of course. Yeah, and also, huge. I, and also, I think, uh, I mean, before we just move on, this final thing on. The likes of Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, Casemiro. Casemiro, you already mentioned, because he, he's kind of a player who's... I mean, I don't think he's going to get into a lot of team of the years and stuff like that, fantasy mm. stuff like that. But he is the linchpin in that team for me. Yeah, and, no question. And there's, yeah. there's pretty much uh, a lot of people who think, okay, Casemiro just does this you know dirty donkey job where he just fouls people <laughs> and stuff. But, but it, it, it's kind of very much important and he kind of builds the attack from that position. And Tony Cruz kind of Tony Cruz is Tony Cruz, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So th- that's what that's probably one compliment or the best compliment I can give to Tony Cruz. So yeah, yeah. We are we yeah, Madrid on. look like it. And moving on to their biggest rivals, Barcelona. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm mean, sorry, Atletico Madrid fans. But yeah. 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 I have I have probably have to say this probably in the last decade or so. But yeah. Barcelona. Barcelona uh, run. Uh, I mean, the club motto basically says Mesque and Club," but if you add one more "s" to that "Mes," you get you get the situation of the club right now. <laughs> that, that's what oh, I yeah. say to that's what I say to fans these days from the board. To the players, to the manager, everything is an absolute mess at the moment and I, I, I don't know how, how this kind of might get rectified anytime soon unless there's like a huge, huge change or something. So, Michael, like uh, in your opinion, do you think this probably stands up to the presidency of Joseph
2: oh, I think it's comprehensive from the top all the way down to players. And, you know, they've got a lot of issues with fitness. I wonder what's going on. But it's it's like you said, it's it's a mess. <laughs> I, you know, I almost feel bad. There, there's something interesting, I think, that happened last season where if you look at the reason Madrid outlasted Barcelona this season… I, I think, obviously, they're probably a more talented team. But they also, I think a lot of that was mental. Especially after the break, you have a lot of these must-win matches. And Madrid stepped up and they got the points. And to me, that comes down to sort of the the culture of the team, the mentality at the team, and it's all about the leaders. Now, I know people, a lot of times, you know, they try to drag Messi and I think exaggerate maybe some lack of leadership personality that he has. I think most of that's nonsense. However, at the same time, I think there is something to be said about this year, it just felt like there was a lot of deflecting of responsibility, starting with Ernesto Valverde. You know, he, he I thought he should have gone last spring after Anfield, but he became something of a scapegoat this year, even though they were at the top of the table. And then you have guys like PK and just like the fans in general. It's, you know, it's VAR's fault. It's Perez is buying the league's fault. It's, it's everything except the players themselves. It's Bartos' fault, which again, a lot of that stuff is fair and true. But what you didn't see was leaders on the team stepping up, taking ownership and saying, look, despite all this stuff, we've got to go out and get the results. And I'm, I'm sure that happened internally more than we saw. But it, it just, it felt like a, like a different mentality. One that didn't express winners and champions that we really needed at the end of the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Barcelona, it, it's funny with Barcelona, I monitor them a lot. Uh, and I don't know whether I actually had a little stuff. I actually had the pleasure of actually going to the new Camp when I was 10 years of age. So it's oh, a cool Yeah. So, once I was there and once you're at that, I'm going to call it that because for me, it's like the theatre of football, being new oh, yeah. camp. Yeah. Special. Sort of. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a club. I don't hold it close to my heart. I think that would be too dramatic. But again, it's a club. You, you can't help but follow them. I, yeah. and when you you look, have to appreciate but, it. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know whether it's the same over there where you are, Michael, but over in the UK, it's sort of over the last 15. Well, maybe since the turn of the century, it's portrayed in the UK that Real Madrid are actually like the chaotic club, and Barcelona yeah. <laughs> are the ones that do everything right, and they've got La Masia, and they bring the youngsters through, and they don't spend millions. Well, mm-hmm. if you look at if you look if you look at the last couple of years, they've actually done more for Real Madrid than Real Madrid. Exactly. And if you look at the president, uh, the presidential situation, do you think, given the way that every single president other than Laporta who was obviously, who appointed Pep Guardiola and they had them successful years, the, the golden years, the greatest mm-hmm. team ever, so to speak. The, the club has actually always been a mess and actually the good years are the actual exception. Is that something that you would actually <laughs> agree with?
2: Yeah, or? you know, it's funny. I think that's really good language for what a lot of people are feeling right now. But you know, one, one of the things, I don't know how active you guys are on like Barcelona Twitter, La Liga Twitter in general, but one thing you see a lot is fans... It's sort of echoing what you hear from Barto. You know, we have to maximize Messi's final years. We've got to win now. And what you're seeing is in order to achieve that goal, they're like mortgaging their future. They're getting rid of a lot of young stars. They have these bloated wages on people. And that that that's understandable enough but the problem is we were hearing that same thing back in 2015 you know we're talking five years now where the whole mentality is kind of whatever we have to do right now to win let's do that let's buy the big stars that probably aren't a good fit but you know we've got to recoup this money and to yeah to your point if you go back to like the early 2000s that's a team that you know they were a couple of miraculous goals away from, from losing a lot of money and not winning any silverware. And you track that all the way through the last 20 years, and you're right, th- that golden era feels like the exception more than the rule. And because they're an elite team, they're one of those sides that are always going to have the quality that can you know make a good Champions League run or surprise if Madrid's in a dip. But you're right, th- this feels a lot more
0: normal for Barcelona yeah. than I think, I think a lot of younger fans may realize. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Michael also... I mean, I, I don't know if you know this, but Barca have kind of a data science hub themselves, a data science team themselves. I mean, definitely mm. data science have played a major part probably in the last few years in football. You see that with the likes of Liverpool and some other clubs as well. Leipzig definitely under Ralph Wolfgang. Mm. But for Barca, they have something called the Innovation Hub, which they kind ah, of yeah. They kind of market it a lot. I mean, I, I've been onto the website to see... I know, some stuff and see if like, you can do some courses and stuff. I see that they market that a lot and they charge a lot of fee also for the certificates. So, hmm. despite having a, uh, a, 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 probably I guess it is it is definitely a good team definitely because uh, I, I don't exactly remember the YouTube account but I think one of, those, one of the guys from the Innovation Hub and three other people, one, one guy is a mathematician, I forgot his name as well they kind of have a YouTube channel where they discuss uh, data science and stuff like that and that that is really good stuff so that kind of shows that that innovation hub have good people Mm. around but despite that i just heard today i guess it it was from adam crafton i guess that vasa haven't probably listened too much to their uh, data science team when it has come to recruitment which probably oh, wow. might have hurt them a bit, so that probably has a bit of you uh, know bit, bit, bit of that is definitely uh, playing a part as well because I don't think the structure of the club is proper. I mean the communication between various parts of a club, I mean that's all again a mess there unless you no, know, you get you, you do you have streamlined process from top to bottom. I, I don't think a club probably, however big you are. I don't think it will be run properly. I mean, that that's something that Real Madrid does so well from top to bottom. Florentino Perez, obviously, I mean, he has the full control, but he kind of makes them you know, financially stable. And I think that yeah. the has probably run well. And probably for the last three, four years, it's been run much better than barcelona yeah so, i think so too yeah so I, I do think that this also has a huge huge role to play and about messi i mean he's been putting up insane numbers man i mean <laughs> really really insane numbers season after season probably this season i guess may maybe robert lewandowski might have had kind of you know a better shout for the player of the year award or whatever yeah but, yeah but it's it's still i mean i i, I mean i kind of see a lot of people in on Barca Twitter saying that okay we are actually wasting Messi's last years i mean this i mean this guy doesn't i mean barcelona doesn't deserve Messi or mm-hmm. things like that but i do think Messi probably has a little bit of role as well probably in the decline i would say because he, he he's a senior influential figure and and I, I do think at at times probably he can he should probably take up more responsibility in my opinion so i mean what what's your whole take on that yeah I, I i
2: sort of feel similar and but you know at the end of the day we don't really know what's happening behind closed doors and we don't know what's happening in training and in the locker room and all of that i think his personality probably invites people to criticize because he's not your vocal passionate leader and that you know some of that's harsh some of that is fair it's hard to know but at the end of the day i think it'd be it'd be unfair to put it all on Messi. Like you said, there are structural issues here. You know, Chris, you compared earlier to Madrid of the early 2000s. One of the reasons I think the first Perez era, I don't know that I would say failed, but disappointed so much is he had so much control in, you know, picking lineups and deciding who was going to be on the squad, all that kind of stuff. And you almost get a sense of that now where, you know, you sort of hear it's almost indirect comments you hear from both managers in the last couple of years and from players that decisions about squad management and even selection aren't coming just from the from the coaches and so you know how similar is that to Madrid I don't know but my point is I think the leadership issue is comprehensive top to bottom and again I'm not trying to rag on pk but he's a good example to me of someone who when when the chips are down and you need someone to kind of take responsibility grab the reins a bit he's always deflecting and you know he's got this whether it's however justified it is or not he you know madrid's out to get barcelona and they're running the league and all this stuff you know at some point you got to say despite all that this is our team we can only control what's in our what's in front of us so let's let's step up and and lead the rest of the squad forward so is it messy probably some of it but it's not it's not just him that's for sure
1: yeah i think i just think the the apparent lack of football brains of the foot at the club is Mm. just it's astounding really and obviously you have that role whether it's i don't know whether it's technical director or director of football eric abidal i mean what what, i don't know what his exact title is (laughs) it is it director of football whether, but whether he was qualified, obviously he went. What he went through as a player, uh, health-wise, was obviously extraordinary. You wouldn't wish that on anyone. Has he been given right. that role, as he'd given that role, they'll just be out of courtesy, out of was he qualified to do the role that he's doing at Barcelona? Because the when you if we just look at this from a football strategic point of view, I mean, what is their plan going forward? I mean, there's an obvious there's an an obvious lack of looking to the future.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. They, I mean,
1: right. I, I, who are they replacing? What is the long term plan for Messi? I mean, not even Messi. I mean, Messi's is irreplaceable. I <laughs> think we all know. We all, yeah, we all kn- knew that once that cycle comes to an end, that he's not going to be able to be replaced. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing if they would have planned for it, maybe three or four years in advance. Yeah, they could have right on. Yeah, I mean, even at the minute. I mean, Luis Suarez has passed his best. He's not the player he was a years ago, or the player he was mm-hmm. around the 2015 uh, era. But I mean, just in that position alone, you look at the central midfield, Busquets. I know you could probably argue to say that uh, Frankie De Jong is that is that sort of is is that player in waiting for that role. Mm-hmm. But even yeah. even the even the way they've used him for me has just been he's. He's not progressed since it's remarkable that once a player leaves Ajax to go to Barcelona, but then his career stalls, it's just, it's unthinkable really. That's not yeah. why he would have been better off staying at Ajax. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I don't know, there's a number of things, I mean, you, you and Riffwick have brought, both brought up good points there yourselves, but I mean, where do you start with that football club? I mean, from top to bottom, it's a complete mess. The players have got been. to take responsibility. There's got to be someone who takes some kind of di- takes the football side of things in some kind of di- direction, and they need a new president. Let's not beat around the bush. There, that person yeah. has to go. immediately, immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, So, and
2: then probably a good squad clear out. You know, it's I and mean, what what was it? It was back in like February, right? And Abidal's up there publicly saying that the you know the players weren't satisfied with Verde, but they also didn't work hard. You know, internal communication yeah. is bad. You've got you've got a guy of that profile at a club publicly dragging both the manager and the players and the communication structure. I mean, yeah. guys, come on. <laughs> yeah,
1: in <laughs> that, one interview, as as well. <laughs> In
2: one interview, exactly. And then you got yeah. Messi speaking yeah. out against him, and I mean, that's like you said, you need a squad clear out. You, the whole spine is aging out, and there's no replacement for anybody currently in there right now. Messi. I know nobody wants to talk about it, guys, but. I don't. I don't know that we're ever going to see close to peak Messi again. There's no chance you're ever going to replace that. But you have to have something in play, some kind of long-term or at least medium-term plan for what you're going to do after him. It feels yeah. like it, it feels like one of two things is going to going to happen. They're going to get lucky, where you have the 2009 situation. Right manager comes in, you happen to get a couple transfers right, and just magic happens, and you're going to yeah. see another rise to the top or you're going to see a at least a temporary dip and drop where Madrid's going to dominate the league for a little while. Yeah. Uh, how how much of that do you put, you know, how are you really going to trust the leaders at Barcelona right now to make the good part happen intentionally? I don't know. I wouldn't put money on it. No.
1: No, definitely not.
0: Yeah. And actually before moving on from Barcelona because Barcelona is definitely like uh, it, it's a podcast in itself definitely. I mean, if you if you want to talk about Barcelona, obviously like <laughs> Before moving on from Barcelona, just one final question, Michael, about Kike Setien. Was he the right choice for Barcelona when, when they decided to appoint him after sacking Valverde? Because there, there were obviously rumors of them contacting Xavi, but Xavi mm-hmm. deny I mean, saying that, okay, I'm not ready yet and stuff like that. I, I don't know how much of that is truth or stuff like that. I mean, there are a lot of rumors around that. I, I, I don't remember if Fabrizio Romano tweeted or something, but... Mm. I do remember a lot of rumors regarding Xavi returning to Barça and stuff like that, and later him denying that he's, he isn't ready or he is not willing to come at this point of time. But they bought in Kike Setien, like He doesn't have a huge profile or something, but he did a decent job with Betis, I would say. I, I wouldn't say like an impressive job, but decent job, I would say, because yeah, that, that, that's what he basically did. But do you think that he was the right choice for Barcelona? Because now his future looks kind of doubtful.
2: I know. Yeah, I, I feel for him. You know, I think people think I, I don't like Setien. I, I actually rate the guy a lot. Uh, it, that, that's a, it's almost like an unfair question be, because of the way the club handled it. I mean, you're going to sack a guy that is six months overdue in the job in the first place. And then you bring someone like Setien in who, for my money, he needs a preseason. He needs at least some control over the squad that he's going to build. He needs to start in – the way they play football, Valverde and Setien, are are, are completely different in some, some fundamental ways. So you're asking a lot of a guy to come in midseason with a club already in crisis, with internal strife, and that you know his tactical prowess is just going to overcome any shortcomings that are there. No way. No way is that fair. <clears throat> I think the other challenge is when you bring someone in midseason specifically to Barcelona, and especially with the environment the way it is now – You need a real presence who's going to come in and command respect. You know, it's honestly a lot like what you saw with Zidane when Benitez was sacked. You have a guy who has a reputation at the club, who, even if you're in one of the lowest points you've been in for a handful of years, like Madrid was then, you know you can put your hat on. Zidane knows what he's talking about, he has the presence of a leader. He's going to fight for what's important. And Setien, no disrespect to him. I mean, he's just not that guy. He doesn't have that personality. He He's kind of worn out his welcome everywhere that he's been within a few years. So if you're going to sack Valverde midseason, when you should have done it back after Anfield, if you're going to do it midseason, bring in someone with authority, someone who's going to make Piquet and Busquets feel uncomfortable, someone who's going to push Suarez and make these guys know, look. We're making some changes. Nobody's job is safe. But if you perform, you're going to be given a chance. You know you know what I'm saying? You, you need you need that real presence in the locker room. Exactly. I don't think he's the
0: right guy for that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think one, one thing with Zidane, again, is that he commands respect from his players. And I think he definitely has the authority over the players. I mean, when he says, you see, I think I see probably a lot of training pictures and videos where like when Zidane speaks, I mean you have uh, characters like Sergio Ramos, Rafael Varane, I mean he I mean they had Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously Gareth Bale. I mean I, I don't want to talk too much about Gareth Bale but yeah you have big like-
2: personalities
0: though. Yeah, big personalities like this. But when Zidane speaks, you listen. That, that, yeah, that's what that's what you see from the Real Madrid side. And come coming on to the Barcelona side, you see Seti and kind of looking like a normal guy. He he doesn't look like a manager for me. Like I, yeah. I don't think he demands that authority. And as no. as a manager, if you're managing a top top club, who I mean that that have kind of a big big name players and people like Messi, Suarez. P- you guys in. who have won everything—they've already won everything. <laughs> exactly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you—you—you you, you have to command respect. You have to assert your authority over the team. So, I—I I, I think that—that that is clearly lacking from City. and he kind kind of yeah. you know, goes easy. Xavi
2: would have done that. Xavi would have done that, but he
0: wisely declined. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I—I so. yeah, do think he wisely declined. Yeah.
1: So who do you think, then, Michael? Who do you think right now the next Barcelona manager should be?
2: I think I think you leave it where it is, man. One of two things has to happen: either you bring in someone like Xavi, who has that authority, and you know has at least a tactical knowledge even if he hasn't proven to manage it bring someone like him but at the same time you've got to do a clear out you know you've got to let guys like pk and busquets and suarez and alba you've got to let a lot of these veterans know look your your time is all but up yeah. let's start talking transition planning right now and if you're not yeah. going to do that let's set stay on give him another seat honestly like when you look at the squad and you think about how the state of the league is right now specifically real madrid they have some stability right now even though they have holes in their squad as well if you're not going to give full power to a new manager to start a whole new transition to clear out even even yeah abidal uh new president if you're not going to have a full overhaul at the at, at the institutional level give the guy another season i don't know if you're going to have anyone else come in with the current environment and do much better than he did uh, th- that's i that's asking a lot i think of anyone so you yeah. know the good the good thing for the board too is you can you can use him as a scapegoat as awful as that is. To say. <laughs> no matter yeah. who comes in next season, if you're not if you get the same leadership, you're not going to have much difference.
1: Yeah. What about Hermain Bouega? Oh
2: yeah. I Think he could get a job over there? <laughs> I well, think he has he's heads for, rolling I'm, within a few weeks, yeah,
1: man. I've heard he's looking for a new job. So. <laughs> that'd
2: be a, that'd be a fun one to see. I won't lie. He, he, yeah, uh, he sure, probably wear you know, out some of the fans pretty quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah well he'd add a bit of passion to the touchline wouldn't he? Oh
2: yeah no question you better believe those guys will be running or they're going to pass out from it so.
1: Yeah and as an Atlético Madrid fan what, what, what do you think about his decision to, to uh, decide that it's time to move on now and decide to become a number one coach?
2: Oh I mean I can't fault the guy you know it's a bummer to see that kind of a personality leave and I think when you have such a tight relationship between him and Simeone I think there are probably a lot of just cultural things that he's tied to that they're not going to we're not going to realize how impactful it is immediately but i think the players will and you'll probably see that on the pitch so that's one of those how you know you can't maybe measure how impactful he was but it's it's gonna have a negative effect but i can't fault the guy i mean he's he's trying to build his career he's earned it Uh, i'm curious to see where he ends up going i i I hear rivers about going back to river or uh staying here at alavis in spain i don't know it'll
0: be it'll be interesting wherever he ends up yeah yeah. yeah, and he was actually like, uh, I mean, in in an interview recently, I guess, when someone asked him, like, which, 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 I mean, to pick out probably his favorite moments ever with Simeone, I mean, he pulled out two instances. One was the hug when they won the La Liga. Back in 2014, mm, and yeah. another one was the recent win at Anfield. Oh really? So, I didn't see that interview. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He, he he actually mentioned that, and I actually read this probably. I I guess was it Massa? I guess I I guess it was Massa. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I read that, and I, actually, Bozos was saying that they actually want to win the Champions League this season. I mean, they've come Oof, close. Come on. A couple of times. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and and also, I mean, the draw doesn't look too tough I, I would say probably right now to the final
2: yeah yeah they're doing all right they, they they could have gotten a lot worse it's so hard to know though man I mean you're gonna come back with what a three-week break I guess PSg is gonna be potentially out of shape who knows I feel like this tournament is going to be so wide open just because of the whole nature of it but yeah they're as
0: likely to win as anybody probably at this point yep yeah. exactly and sometimes you see like uh people comparing both goals. I mean not comparing basically but some of my friends who's like one of my friends who's actually a Barcelona fan he was actually mentioning this to me that he he probably wants to see Bogos versus Mourinho. That would be fun.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting to see. We'll see where Mourinho yeah. ends up first of all.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: So what are the what are the effects of this, then, Michael? Uh, 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 since since effects at Real, uh, sorry, effects at Atlético Madrid. What are the effects of him leaving the role and? going on is I mean has is there, is there any been any rumors as to what Simeone will do will he appoint a number two will he maybe just ca- carry on in the, role imse- in the role himself and the effects that it's going to have on the squad in your opinion do you think it could work out better for Atletico Madrid or worse
2: uh you know it's hard to say I hear rumors about somebody like Gabby coming in <clears throat> yeah and if you have I, that's always so tricky for me because when you have a guy who played with some of the key leaders in the squad, that can either be good because there's going to be that replacement of camaraderie and just similar culture that you had with Burgos. At the same time, you could get people a little too comfortable and start thinking, yeah. okay, no matter no matter how I perform, I have a bit of leeway with these guys who who know who I am. So I don't know that he would come in or not, but regardless… I think when you have a big personality leaving the team, there's always going to be some fallout. And Atleti is in a really tricky spot right now because they have a a pretty young squad, a strong spine. Most of your big players are locked up on some healthy contracts. So they're not too concerned about losing any star players. But they're they're just now one year into, in my mind, a pretty major transition. And so if you're going to lose Burgos right now, you have to start wondering how much longer do you want to keep going with Simeone? And I know that's sort of the the question nobody wants to ask publicly, but at some point soon, I think you're going to see him move on. And so is this exit right now, just sort of like the first step to maybe Simeone leaving within a year? Uh, it, w- it wouldn't surprise
1: me, to be honest, to see that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. when you look, when you look at the team, Atletico Madrid's team, it is like, like I said, they've got, they've got a lot, they've got a lot of attack-minded players that have been. Mm-hmm. Qu- don't quote me. They've been. Uh, it's been suggested that they've been nullified by Simeone or Yeah, I think it's fair, a fair
2: c- criticism.
1: Yeah. So when, when, when I heard... I was actually shocked when I heard Bergos was leaving, but not Simeone. And I don't know if that's maybe a, a fair reflection on them as a partnership, because I know reading f- between the lines and reading some of the quotes that Burgos has made, they've very much been... Obviously, we know Simeone's the manager. I mean, know Bregos was the assistant manager, but they've always sort of done stuff together for the, for the last 11 yeah. years or so, previous jobs before that. So for him to leave on his own, and Simeone stay, I was quite shocked at that. But,
2: yeah, it, it, I, th- I think it should, it should raise concerns. You know, again, you talk about impact, the question before. I think, how is this going to affect Simeone to not have his number two guy there? You know what I'm saying? Even if he had a great yeah. squad and all that, that that's, that's like a brother, you know, who's moving on. And someone who you might even play against in the league. So I think th- that's sort of another reason that I feel his exit may be coming sooner than we otherwise would have seen because no matter what happens next season it's it's going to feel different you know yeah. and so how will that affect his mentality his drive his desire to stay at one club Well,
1: we'll have to see yeah right? and do you think there's an ideal club for Borregos to take over I know you've mentioned Alaves there but I always think when a number two leaves a position and pursues the number one position on his own that next step that first choice of club for me is always vital if you get that wrong then it can be that can be at the end of your career before it's even started. Yeah. Do you think exactly. anywhere And just let's keep this down to just La Liga at the moment. Do you think? And I know not every club that's take is available to take over. Mm-hmm. But do you think there is one specific club that you would like to see him take control of that would actually suit a good platform to start a managerial career?
2: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, not Valencia. Um, <laughs> they're yeah. in such a hot mess right now, man. Uh, you know, it's funny though, Valencia, I've heard that Bordelas might be, he's been one of like 150 managers linked with them. So if he left, I'd be kind of curious to see what he would do at Hitafe. You know, it's a club that would give him a lot of authority and a lot of control over transfers and <clears throat> allow him to pick out his squad. It's a loosely similar tactical style to what he's seen before. So something like that or Alaves, yes, yeah, so he, he strikes me and I'm saying this without knowing for sure. He strikes me as a guy who could probably be a bit of a pain in the ass and probably hard to work with uh, for some <laughs> people. He's a big personality. He's he's, he's going to step up. He's going to speak his mind. And so if, if you don't give him the say and the power that he needs, then don't give him the job. You know what I mean? Or or do yeah. it. Surround him with people who are going to challenge him that he respects, that he trusts. But to your point… If you if you make that first step a bad one, it could set you behind in a big way, even mentally. You know, make you question
0: if you're cut out for
2: it.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You you actually mentioned Valencia there, actually, Michael. I mean, that that's basically <laughs> the, the one of the main uh, discussion points in this podcast. They're in a complete mess. I mean, we talked about Barcelona, <laughs> but Valencia is two times more messy. Not not just oh, two man. times. I guess it's more. It's like I mean, I mean, Peter Lim. I I I, I don't know. I guess I guess Valencia fans hate him. A lot. I mean, I, I don't. know, I, I probably can't even, you know, measure that the hate that they have for Peter Lim, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think his daughter kind of got into a feud, probably. Oh gosh. Be, very recently, I mean, she was probably uh, criticizing the fans for cyberbullying her or something and then yeah. that that kind of again left a more sore taste probably so it, it's kind of a mess and i kind of heard a rumor i don't know how much or how authentic this is but they actually i mean, heard i heard a rumor where that i mean that uh, valencia are kind of planning to sell a lot of players from from their first team players like danny parejo who's the captain rodrigo mo Moreno, Guedes, Condogbia, Carriçal, Gamero, etc are some of the names that I mean they they are planning to sell. It, it's like a mass clear out I guess. And definitely one of their best players I guess best young players I would say is Ferran Torres who's definitely uh, going to leave for Man City it seems. So yeah, if you had to yeah, 30 million is what I guess is being quoted, <laughs> oh, which is drive. like exactly. I mean, I I kind of saw him live uh, in the under-17 World Cup here in India. I mean, I saw him again. I mean, when Spain played Brazil in the World Cup uh, group stage, came under-17. I mean, he was oh, absolutely man. amazing on that wide. Yeah, he lighted up. Yeah, and especially like I, I kind of love the name Torres, especially because there was a specific Fernando Torres at my club mm-hmm. quite quite a while back. So Chelsea, I Chelsea of, legend. yeah,
2: I've, I've heard <laughs> of the guy. Yeah, Chelsea legend. <laughs> <laughs> I've, heard,
0: I've heard of the kid. I've heard of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this guy was kind of absolutely causing all kinds of trouble for Brazil on the right side. And I think he got the assist in that game. I mean, it was a one, one-all draw where Abel uh, e- Ruiz, I guess, scored uh, the first goal for Spain. And I mean, the assist was basically from Ferran. So, I mean, it was a good mm. performance there. And I've, I've been keeping tabs on him since then. And he's kind yeah, of I progressed. Yeah, he's kind of progressed slowly, but in the right way. And I think probably this is when probably he he should probably move to a better club. But I don't know if Man City is probably the right choice for him, but... It definitely is a steal. You said 30 million for someone like Ferran Torres, who's like rated so highly, play with so much potential. You see players like Kai oh. Havertz being rated at 100 million, 80 million, stuff like that. I mean, this is probably a steal. So, I mean, coming back into Valencia, probably. What's your take on the whole Valencia situation, especially with the ownership and stuff like that?
2: Oh man, it's wild. You know, social media is a great thing, and at the same time, Valencia gives you two examples of. How problematic it could be. Number one, you have the daughter dragging players <laughs> at the club, and every, it's like, what you know, somebody, has, what's going on here? You know, there's obviously some st- some obvious disagreement between leadership and the players themselves. And then the other problem is rumors. You know, you you jump on Twitter, and like you said, it seems like everybody on the squad is on the chopping block. And when you break it down, it makes absolutely no sense. You talk about a bad strategy at Barcelona. If you said we're selling guys like Parejo, anybody who's over 30, even Parejo, best player on the team. But OK, he's aging out. His window for getting a lot of money back to the club is probably closing fast. That's fine. So they're going to do that to lock up Gaia, lock up Torres. OK, fi- fair enough. That That's fine. But then you see Torres also being linked to Man City at a third of his or, you know, just under a half of his uh, buyout clause. So... What's the strategy here? Like, are are you trying to lock up future players? Are you just clearing out whoever you can so that Lim can pick a new squad? Like, what you know? There, I don't see any vision behind the decisions that are being made here. And and again, like you know, problems go back before he even took over the club. So this is not solely on him. But man, you talk about a nosedive that's been going on since. It's it's a miracle to me. That Valencia has been battling for the top four, winning Copa del Rey, despite all of this turmoil going on internally. So, I mean, wh- where do you even begin with them? Who's going to be the next manager? Who's going to be the captain? Who's going to be brought in to replace some of the players that are gone? Is anybody going to be brought in to replace the players that are gone? Yeah, does Lim want to keep the club? I mean, goodness, I wouldn't want to be a,
0: a supporter of Valencia right now, that's for sure. Exactly. And, I mean, have you ever played FIFA, Michael? Oh, yeah, I love FIFA. I mean, th- this definitely looks like a si- FIFA situation for me because, I mean, <laughs> you, you, I mean, for, for fun, probably sometimes... I, I mean, I've definitely done this when I played previous versions of FIFA. I mean, the F- FIFA 10, FIFA 8 and stuff like that where I would... I mean, when some of my fans of Windows starts, I would sell, like, probably half of my players and buy another half. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean it, it's kind of a FIFA it situation. Feels like They're, that, right? Like, yeah, definitely, so... I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what they're. I mean, what's happening really there as Valencia? Well. So because last season they won the Copa del Rey. Marcelino won the Copa del Rey, and yeah, the next thing you see, yeah, And the next thing you see is Marcelino getting sacked. And Peter Lim's. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, statement that he put out was that this was against the strategy i mean you just won a trophy which is probably the second most prestigious trophy in spain and you're saying this is against strategy i mean it makes absolutely no sense. No,
2: no. sense whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you think he's trying to control a lot of it it kind of reminds me of Malaga, whenever they just made a you know, Champions League quarterfinal. They were seconds away from being in the semifinals against Real Madrid. And then within a couple seasons you've got guys like Casorla and Isco and Joaquin getting sold for, for peanuts, you know, compared to what they're worth. It feels so similar to that. And it's a lot of, you know, your your key leaders are worried more about controlling and making decisions than they are about what actually happens on the pitch but oh man I feel for him yeah I mean
1: again it's something now with Valencia similar to what I mentioned before Barcelona this is becoming the norm now with Valencia I mean it was a similar situation back in 2009 when they had to sell (laughs) Silva and uh, David Villa and Villa Mata yeah yeah Mata yeah another one Joaquin Uh,
2: again yeah (laughs)
1: yeah again it's just sort of a cycle I mean I think at the moment, Salvador Gonzalez Voro is in charge, isn't he? He's been appointed. Care- is, yeah. he, is, he the, is he the caretaker manager? I think. What's it? Think. I think. Is this the sixth time he's been manager? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> just give him the. Just give. Let him have <laughs> just a. Just give him the job. Or yeah. Leave him alone, yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, as a as a, a football fan, I suppose all those players get. Uh, if it is true. And it is going to be a fire fire sale, as it is quoted. That I mean, it's great for clubs around Europe because there is oh, yeah. some, a very talented squad there of players available, probably at knockdown prices. But I mean, for for you, Michael, who who's the most valuable, other than Torres? Because I know Riffwicks already mentioned him, and we know the likely, or I'd be shocked if he didn't sign for Manchester City now. Who who's the most valuable asset at the club? Over than yeah, Perantares. Yeah, you
2: know that that's a little hard to answer just because we're in a post-COVID recession. I don't know how much money people are going to have for players, but I mean, you got a lot of yeah. guys there. You got you got Guedes, uh You've got Palista. I think probably still has some value. Maxi Gomez, uh, Perejo still I think can bring in a lot of money. I, I, yeah, there's there are a number of players. I, I'd probably say Maxi Gomez even in something of a down year. You can always get a lot of money for a forward. And then if you lose Danny, man, that just changes the whole. The whole face of the club. It's it's. At what point do fans just get fed up, man? You know, like you said, this is not this is not new for Valencia. Yeah. And it seems like too few people want to acknowledge that this is cultural at this point. The the early two thousand Liga runs, Liga wins, and the Champions League final appearances. Those feel like freaks compared to yeah. what you typically see from Valencia. At what point do people just kind of say, "Look, that's it. You know, enough is enough." And I don't know what what else do you have to do. <laughs> I'm sure most fans are already feeling that, to be honest. But
1: yeah, goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, they had they had they had a bad season. Don't get me wrong. They finished ninth, didn't they? So, I mean. You think for Valencia that, well, that yeah, but some, three points don't. from a
2: Europa League spot, you know, what yeah, is he mean? just but one it, win and they're playing in they're playing
1: in Euro? Yeah, exactly. And but what shocked me was the fact that they said because they didn't qualify for the Europa League, there's going to be a fire sale. Well, the Europa League doesn't <laughs> really give you that much money anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So right. I mean, it's been obvious for some time that they weren't going to get fourth place. So yeah. why weren't the, yeah why weren't this mentioned months ago? So I mean, don't get that club. Yeah, you're right. So I know, I know every club is probably going to be affected by uh, the pandemic in some way. Uh, but the, this just this really shocked me when I just seen this that uh, the players are getting sold and every player's up for sale. Yeah, uh, because, because the club didn't qu- qualify for the Europa League, and I was thinking, that's an you can't
2: excuse. Be-
1: yeah, it's, it's think, gotta be
2: you know yeah. top four bus for a club like Valencia. That's
1: it. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think I think there's something something else that may come out throughout the summer that we, we mm-hmm. we're not quite sure. But even from a perspective, managers, what manager's going to touch that now? Oof.
2: Yeah, yeah. Poor yeah. Saf. I feel for whoever it is. Honestly.
1: Yeah. Because mm-hmm. e- e- even if
2: and he overachieves, it's gonna you know Lim's gonna say that didn't play along the strategy or whatever. So how how could you possibly win?
0: There's no way. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah
0: i mean that that's probably my question to both of you i mean chris and michael consider yourself as a manager and you get a offer from valencia from peter lim to manage valencia would you Would you seriously take it i mean if if i was given the offer i would say no i'm not getting into this i'm definitely not wasting my time into this job i mean <laughs> definitely for me and no I mean, but your opinions, guys? No, yeah, it's no. almost like I, have some dignity, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, su- I suppose. I suppose it depends on what. And I mean, if you're someone like we, we've mentioned there, him and Burgos, who's looking to start a career and take a club forward, then no, you wouldn't touch it. You wouldn't touch it at all. I suppose if you're a manager coming to the end of your career and you're looking at it for one well, maybe mm. last payday, um, again, I don't like that saying. Because, but I suppose there is a lot of managers out there that would would do it for a last for one. Yeah, last I think check. you're right. Then it w- will become it'll st- it's still Valencia, so it still will be that little bit attractive. But only for that, only for that 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 type of manager who's in it for one last hurrah, but or one last paycheck. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and and you have to know that that one last paycheck could get cut short, you know, within three months when you're a bit of a take, yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. 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 I, I was thinking of a guy like uh, Pablo machine just took over Espanol last year, and he lasted yeah however many months it was, like three months or something, two months I think. You you know, it'd probably be something like that. Somebody like like him who wants to get another shot. And at the end of the day, you you take that job knowing chances are I'm gonna fail. Expectations are bottom of the barrel, so you can you can almost certainly achieve something if you do a decent job so you know chance to recover your career and get
1: another
0: shot but no chance would i take that
1: no absolutely
0: not exactly yeah and yeah moving on to the final segment of this podcast i mean we talked about ferran torres obviously who's like one of the best young players in la liga but mm -hmm. could you actually enlighten us on some other names because for me, I think another player which really catches my eye is Samuel Chukwueze. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love him. I mean, honestly, to, to honest to God, I mean, I love him. I mean, I love watching him play. I mean, he's I I'm not. He's I, exciting. I, I, yep. I mean, it, it's it's p- aesthetically pleasing, I would say, or or pleasing to the I eyes, mean, I would say. I would call it that that in that way, probably. He's a pleasure to the eyes, and he's one of those young players. Probably, I mean, I, I still don't understand why no clubs. I mean, no. Clubs from England or you know other big countries have kind of souped in for him yet, but he's a real talent, isn't he?
2: Yeah, and I wonder why they have. I mean, I, he's a guy that I, I get a lot of flack on Twitter because I've criticized him a couple of times. He's very streaky. He has a lot of uh, he has a lot of pace. He gets into a lot of dangerous positions, but then kind of bozos himself out of it just as often. So uh, I, I I wonder the same thing. Even with his raw talent, he has a lot of shortcomings. But so does a guy like Vinicius, and he got a huge contract at Real Madrid. You know what I mean? I'm not comparing the two, saying. They're equal quality, but just to highlight the fact that he's the kind of guy you you think someone would take a chance on. So I wonder if his he has some kind of release clause that's keeping people held back or something. I don't know. That's a that's a
0: good question. Yeah, and and another player probably would be Ansu Fati, the six, sixteen years, Oof. sixteen year old guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, who'd have expected a guy who who's probably writing I mean his tenth standard exams probably Two. to <laughs> to you know do so much for for Barcelona this season? I mean, honest, honestly speaking. I think he's been one of Barca's best players this season.
2: I know, me too, me too. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's funny. I heard stories about him when they went out to team dinners. He was out hanging out with some of his friends. He didn't want to hang out with the players. You know, some of those guys yeah. are almost
0: twice as old as him. So exactly, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, weird. it's it's awkward. Yeah, it's awkward for a youngster. And yeah, that that's,
2: that's he's a teenager. Funny.
0: He's a teenager. I, exactly. I tell you, man. I
2: think I think they have to be careful with him actually because he he's a very talented kid, but he's still he's still a kid. And if you play him too much. I'm not even just talking about the mental pressure. I'm talking about he's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. So if they're not managing him well and getting him consistent playing time in winnable situations, like I'd hate to see him be one of those dudes who just kind of peaks in his early 20s because they were they were playing him to his ceiling, to his to his potential way before he was ready. But, you know, again, that goes back to do you trust Barcelona to handle someone well? Uh, now these days.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that, that was my next question. Do you think he's actually at the right club? For his developments, and I suppose Barcelona, given their financial position, quoted that because they always seem to be in a financial position. Yeah. could, could do you think he'll stay?
2: Isn't that a terrible question that we're asking that about FC Barcelona? Yeah, it is. <laughs> that, that, feel, yeah. Like, that feels unheard of. We're saying there's a 17-year-old exciting player prospect at Barcelona. He's already proven himself in La Liga and we're wondering if we're going to keep him. What's going on? What like, what like That tells you the state of the club right there. Certainly, they're going to keep him. But you're right. I mean, let's say next year they, they finish third and they drop out of the Champions League early and they're not going to sell guys like Piquet or Busquets or Messi. I mean, why wouldn't he be on the chopping block all of a sudden? You know what I'm saying? And especially yeah. after COVID, who knows what's going to happen with it. You keep seeing what they're doing with all their transfers since like 2018 is they're just mortgaging, paying the piper at the end of the day. So if they don't have a bunch of sales in the next year, they're going to have to pay big at some point soon, even with this latest deal with Arthur. So heck, why, why not? Why not Fati? It's I hate yeah, it. But
1: yeah, they're always open to a sale. That's the way I look at it at Barcelona. They're always open to a sale and they will always put that clause back in in the sale that they can buy him back yeah That's i hope place. not you,
2: you, you, so, the
1: optimist or the
2: romantic inside of me says still we're talking barcelona come on surely he's yeah. okay
1: and what did you think on this season eh uh, martin aldegaard season
2: oh man you talk about an exciting player the first half of the year, he might have been the best midfielder in the whole of Spain and just rocked it. It's He's one of those guys, uh, you know, you were talking earlier about some exciting young players. I think of guys like Brian Gill and Fran Beltran, a lot of, uh, you know, younger kids who they've had a couple of glimpses, maybe a few months of good play, but haven't really kind of sustained that. Same with Chico But Martin, my goodness, man, if, if there was anybody that I had to bet on who's under 22 right now that you want to you want to throw all your money behind and say that's going to be a world-class footballer i'd say yeah. he's a, a couple years away already like it you know max so when you yeah. when i heard about his injury uh, you know i'm i'm not one of those end of the world guys his career is over but i definitely started to hurt and think oh just purely from a fan's perspective i i hope he recovers fully and that doesn't affect him long term or in a substantial way and it doesn't sound like that's a guarantee either way but man yeah. That's the kind of guy you like
1: to watch play football. Yeah. I mean, it seems, it seems a bit mad that we still talk of him as a young player, given <laughs> how long that he, he, since that move to Real Madrid, it's sort of like he's become not forgotten. But I thought this season... Almost was, mythic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This season was the season when he announced himself for me. Yeah, uh, I felt the same way. And, and I think it was the first time as well that... Even though he was playing for Sociedad, you, you you looked at him and thought, I can actually see this guy playing for Real Madrid. Yeah, um, and, and, as, and, as, as and a star, leading the team too. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: As a star player, he looks he looks ready.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. and and, 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 and go on. I think go in on, the initial part of the season yeah in the initial part of the season he was actually the leader and i guess the big chance created or the chances created metric i mean you oh, are actually competing uh, in that metric against leo messi so, yeah no
2: big deal <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so so
0: so if you're coming on top it 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 definitely means that You're too good. You're too,
2: too good. Oh, yeah, man. And, I, you know, again, his injury, his age, he kind of dropped off in the second half of the year for long stretches. That doesn't concern me at all. For a 21-year-old doing what he was doing in the first half, Man, I've I've got nothing but praise for him and excitement about what his career can look like. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I mean, with the advanced technology these days in sports science, then I don't I, I don't see the the injury being too much of a factor. Yeah, especially I don't g- think so. especially given the way he plays and the type of player he is, he's not a player that predominantly de- depends on speed in any way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm I hope Real Madrid give him a chance. That's yeah. I, I, think, I think the think question f- is when, to be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah, precisely.
2: Not even if, just when.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's surely, surely, with Luka Modric coming to the end of his career mm-hmm. again. Don't don't get me wrong. they're probably still maybe a, the way he plays the game is probably still another year or two left in him. Yeah. But you would yeah, think, think so. he was the natural successor to play to, to play in that role. And soon. But, yeah, I
2: think I think he'll be yeah. ready. Uh, yeah, soon. I mean, look at the squad Madrid has too. As as talented as it is, they only have I think five midfielders and you get you get stories that James is going to be going who knows what will ever happen with Isco uh Caruso said he wants to retire earlier than most people so they're gonna they're gonna need to replenish soon and I I wouldn't be surprised to see Martin there next summer
0: yeah yeah. Yeah. And Michael, I mean, other than the names that you mentioned, do you think like any other young players probably deserve the spotlight?
2: Yeah, a couple that, uh, you know, you're probably more familiar with, like Kubo and Puig, And I, I think guys like Salisu and Ferran Torres, those who are leaving, that just breaks my heart. You know, there are a lot of popular names. But one name that uh, he's not unheard of, Kunde over at Sevilla, had a breakout campaign. For me, one of the, you know, two or three best center, center back pairings in the whole league Just turned 21. He's a guy you want to keep an eye on. And because the nature of playing at Sevilla, I'm sure he'll be probably sold within a couple of years for a a pretty penny. But he's someone that I have big expectations for, especially if they keep growing as they have over this last really two seasons. Yeah.
0: Mohamed Salih, so like you said, I mean, he's completed. I guess he's almost completed. He's moved to Southampton, which is (laughs) once again, I I mean, for a very less fee, I think was it $8 or something? Yeah, well, why is
2: nobody in Spain going for this guy? What's ex- going on? Exactly. Same with, same with Torres. Like, <laughs> I mean, Atletico Madrid has Lamar just sitting there, obviously hasn't landed as well as they wanted. Vitolo, I think, is 29, about to be 30. God, come on, what are you doing? You, you can't let somebody like that go to City for 30, 35, 40 million and not at least give it a shot. Man, it, it frustrates me as a fan of La
0: Liga. It's so hard to see. Yep. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, basically you could say they're selling for peanuts.
2: Uh, Ah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure his, his his cause is like 90 million. So they're they're yeah. stealing him from Valencia. <laughs> definitely, yeah.
0: definitely. And yeah, before we end this podcast, we have a patron question for you, Michael, from our patron Dita Van Gogh. So I mean, probably two two of the things I think we've already covered. I mean, on Madrid yeah. and Barcelona, but the other two questions being one, the first question being, do you think that Granada is probably the surprise package in the La Liga right now?
2: Oh no, question, man. Look, I don't know how close you guys follow the league this season, but But they were in in first place there for a while. They were battling at the top of the table. Like, that's huge. These guys, honestly, Granada, they're a team that I I would say is lucky to be middle of the table. And you have a 39-year-old manager. This is his second senior-level posting. A bunch of players who, most of them are loanees. Most of the best players are loanees. You know, I, I think even close followers of La Liga couldn't name half the squad. These guys have no business being in the top half of the table. And here they are in the qualifiers for the Europa League. Man. That, that's probably the most exciting story of the season for me. And I would say for Diego Martinez, I think my manager of the season, no disrespect to Zidane, everything he did to sort of change the whole defense of Real Madrid. But yeah, I think Diego Martinez would be the guy to get the award for me. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah
1: He had a very good season, I thought. I mean, a good or yeah. another one. I mean, I was quite surprised to see them fall down to away. I know. I mean, that's a, that's how well they've been doing over the last uh, twelve months. I yeah, mean, don't they have. It. It, yeah, it's probably a very un-Spanish approach that they take to football. <laughs> 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 Definitely. But you know, Definitely. it's still it, it's great for the league, isn't it? I mean, obviously, I think it was the last twenty-four hours. You, Unai Emery's been appointed as Villarreal manager, hasn't he?
2: Yeah, come on. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Is, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, That's I mean, what cool
1: do you think? Of, do you, do you, well, that was me. That was me. Question: What do you think that think of that appointment?
2: Yeah, you know, Emery. Uh, I think if you asked a Valencia fan, they're gonna probably criticize him. If you ask a Sevilla fan, he took them through their kind of greatest stretch ever. And Arsenal fans, you, you guys can speak to them better than I can. But I don't, I don't get the sense that they were they were big supporters of United know Emery. I think it's a good it's a good move. The, the tricky part is he's definitely definitely losing Casorla. Uh, Bruno's gone, but that, that wasn't really a major part of that squad anyway, uh, at least since he's been injured. Yeah. I want to know what's going to happen with Anguisa. Is he going to stick around? I've heard odd rumors, you know, Pal Torres maybe being sold to Barcelona or somewhere in England. Uh, Gerard's been linked with a couple of sides. So if he, if you lose a couple other key guys, that would have me a little concerned. You know, they they kind of, they had a late push to even get into a European spot to begin with. Now they're losing their best player who simply won't be replaced, factually won't be replaced. So, he's bold, man. He's bold taking on a team like that, but he has the success in Spain already multiple times over to show that he can he can work with a limited squad and overachieve within a couple of
0: years. So, I, I, yeah, I'm excited by that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think like probably one of the Factors which probably led to his, uh, you know, issues at Arsenal or his sacking at Arsenal was a problem in communication. I think he's, I mean, mm. predominantly, I mean, his Spanish probably takes over a lot, and I think he had kind of a communication gap with the players at times, oh, or, or, mo- or most of the times, yeah. And and probably that's one of the reasons why I think he might be a good, a good uh, guy for Real Madrid. Yeah, I mean, to be able to afford a guy like that. At a club of that stature, that's that's a win
2: for me. So it's it's kind of good that his stock is down right now. I think. Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and the second and the second patron question, I mean, from the same guy, Dieter is who do you actually pick as the player of the season?
2: Yeah, I hate it. It's so cliche, but I've got to go with Messi. You have a you have a guy who broke the assist record, got. 20 goals and assists each in one campaign. And look, I know a lot of those were against lower, table, lower half teams. I know he wasn't as clutch later on in the season. He looked exhausted, even though he had a long break. But still, I, the only reason that disappoints me is because he's Lionel Messi. and You expect better. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, if I had to pick another guy, it'd be Benzema. Uh, a lot of Barca fans, I think, are, are making it feel like that gap is way bigger than it is. I think Benzema would certainly be deserving of that award, which is interesting because I actually think that Casemiro was Madrid's best player. But when you talk about impact for a team, specifically as it relates to results, Benzema, man, without him, they they probably really are battling
0: for, you know, a third-place spot. Definitely. definitely,
1: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: And yep, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming on to this show. I mean... We enjoy your tweets and we enjoyed speaking to you as well today.
1: I loved it, guys. Thank you so much. Oh, no, you're very welcome. So,
0: yeah, that brings us to the end of this podcast. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode like you always do. So, goodbye until the next episode. Take care. See you soon.